I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Yes, it really is getting festive out there. And you know, it's not long, Santa Paws will be coming to town. That's why we're jumping on Zoom to talk to Dr. Jenny Mackay, who's a vet, but she's also a vicar. Hello, Reverend Dr. Jenny Mackay. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Hello, I'm very pleased to be here, Anna. Well, same here, because I'm just so interested to learn, Jenny. You are a vet, right? A, a, you know, an MRCVS vet. Yes, that's correct. And you are also a reverend. Yes, so it's quite unusual. Um, so what came first, being a vet or a vicar? Oh, definitely. I became a vet, first of all. I've always loved animals. So, you know, even from... When I was very small, six or seven, I always had this idea in my head that I wanted to be a vet. So um, fortunately, I got the grades and I went off when I was 19 to University College Dublin, where I studied to be a vet for five years. Gosh, I think vets study, don't they, longer than doctors? Yes, the minimum is five years. Some courses take six years as well. And then once you've done your first degree in veterinary medicine, you can specialise. So I specialised in pathology. So that took me another seven years because I did a PhD and then my pathology training as well. So that's really, really long. Gosh. So by pathology, um, obviously, I think we all know what it means. But where does that fit as being a vet? You, You know, is it to study disease that affects certain dogs um, by taking, you know, blood samples, tissue samples. Oh, it's all a bit grim, but um, that type of thing. And then working out genetic predispositions to certain conditions or what? Yeah, it, it can cover all those things. I mean, essentially, we're either involved in doing post-mortem style work. So we're trying to find out exactly what was the cause of death or we are looking at biopsy samples. So that essentially is helping the living pet. So for example, if your dog had a lump and your vet in practice wanted to investigate what that was, they would take a biopsy and that is likely to end up in front of me for microscopic examination. And then we can make a diagnosis and be able to recommend treatment for your pet. That's um, a big responsibility, isn't it? That aspect of mm. uh, veterinary care, really. I mean, a friend of mine, interestingly, rang me only um, this morning to say that the biopsy of um, two lumps on, on his dog did come back saying, you know, non-malignant. However, the vet has still recommended removing these two lumps, thinking that, you know, they might be okay now, but they may become cancerous. Is that quite a common occurrence, Jenny? Yeah, that's right. I think um, quite a lot of these tumours that start off 
as benign, if you leave them for a long period of time, they, they may gradually become malignant. So unless it's a very kind of simple um, tumor of a little tiny fatty lump or maybe something affecting a hair follicle, they don't cause any harm. But ultimately, for any of them, it's probably best to get them removed. Yes, yes. It's like a vet said to me once, um, look, any lump can be cancer. Yeah, that's yeah. right. You can't just ignore it. Yeah, no. But I mean, looking at these, when you're looking at these biopsies, do you get involved with the actual lab information that's sent to you? I mean, how is it sent to you? Is it sent to you, you know, 14-year-old cat or 16-year-old Jack Russell named Patch or whatever, you know? Yeah, it is. It is. We get uh, obviously the details of the vet practice and we get all the details about the pets, so species, its age, its breed and the presenting clinical signs as well. And sometimes the name of the pet corresponds to what the animal's condition is. So, for example, I can remember a dog and we were sent in all these skin samples. It had what appeared to be an allergic skin condition and this little dog was called scabby and I had a laugh of that because I thought "Mm, you named your dog and it kind of turned into its clinical condition gosh yes yeah there's something um I read a piece once that if you name your dog you know something like Zeus or (laughs) Tyson (laughs) um you know the dog becomes the name yeah but scabby oh no (laughs) of all names to become (laughs) um I think I'd rather be Zeus (laughs) (laughs) um so my word so gosh it must take it out of you though I would assume studying these samples and then having to feed back to the practice with either good or you know devastating news I know I know you know you have to be very objective about it but you know there's no doubt you know as you write the report and you send that off yeah it's very much going to be good news pet's going to be fine or this is not good and your cat's maybe going to need further treatment or, you know, maybe there's something you can't actually do for the pet at all. So that's always at the back of my mind. And whenever we send the reports, we also give, you know, a prognosis as well to help guide the vets in practice so that they can help discuss the case with their pet owner as well. Yes, absolutely. You know, I mean, the responsibility is almost all in your hands. I mean, do you ever yeah. worry that you get it wrong? <laughs> Sorry. Well, <laughs> we, we have a big team of people. So if there's any doubt at all, we will ask for second opinions and it will go around the whole team. Um, but yeah, we, we usually get it right. I think some things where we might get it wrong is if maybe um, the, the tumour perhaps hasn't been sampled correctly or maybe it's very inflamed. So you get a picture of inflammation, which is kind of hiding what's going on. But those are kind of technical things that the vet who submitted it can't really get around. Um, But yes, if there's any doubt at all, it goes around the team because we want to make absolutely certain, yeah. 
we get the diagnosis correct because the consequences otherwise would be very serious as you know oh, absolutely absolutely but I would imagine then that all of this focus on almost having life and death in your hands in in a way was that part of the reason that you became a vicar um, and explain what the process to become a reverend actually involves Jenny well I had been very ill this was in my early 40s um, and I was working away as vet me pathologist completely immersed in my job and unfortunately I, I had a cancer diagnosis and my whole life came to a grinding halt which which was a complete shock you know you just don't believe this sort of thing is going to happen and it really made me reflect on life and and what's important and you know I'd always been totally totally immersed in my work but it kind of makes you think you know work is not everything is it and alongside that um I did go intermittently I would say to to my local church but uh, they were very supportive my vicar was very supportive as well and um I did start thinking more clearly about is there a god I think I would I was brought up in quite a, a churchy environment. My, my father was a church organist. So, you know, I have always believed, I've certainly questioned it, but there's always been a deep belief there. But when something like that happens, you you really do want to, to dig deeper and, and think about these things. And, and as I was undergoing my treatment um, and, and gradual recovery, I, I felt I was been called to do something in the church. It was it was a very strange feeling because obviously I'm a I'm a vet and I, I like being a vet and, and that is my job and I in no way wanted to, to give that up. But I also felt that I was been called to do something else. So what I did initially was to attend a year's evening course, which was called Foundations for Ministry. And and that was run by the, the University of Chester. And that's to help people explore their vocations. And I'll always remember that there was a speaker at the end of the course, and he was a teacher, but he was also a vicar. And he started explaining this role, minister in secular employment. And it was like a light bulb went off in my head because I suddenly realized this is maybe what I'm being called to. I'm being called to do my, my secular job, if you like. But, but there is a way that you can continue in that role, but be a priest as well. A priest in the workplace, not necessarily running around and converting people, but, you know, you can be a priest. And yeah. You're a visible presence in, in the workplace. Um and you can help out in your your parish environment at the weekends. 
Well, it's it's very topical now, isn't it? You know, as we're coming out of lockdown where everyone has had, you know, massive opportunity to rethink their entire lives. And a, a lot of lives have been turned upside down for all sorts of reasons. So, um, and, and of course, you know, animals have been by our side as they have through history to see us through this, particularly dogs and cats and, and dogs with a pandemic puppy explosion, you know, um, more than ever so you know for you seeing all of this from a, a, a with your veterinary head on you know you must really understand you know this power of animals to help us really perhaps you know see beyond our our meager humanity absolutely and I think you know people say pets do not judge you and that is absolutely correct, isn't it? They give you unconditional love and, and that is just so important for people and you can establish a wonderful relationship with your pets. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, but in terms of, do you think they can be like a religion, Jenny, you know, animals? I mean, do you think they have the capacity almost to highlight everything that's wrong with people <laughs> and everything that's right with animals? Yeah, I think they give us a glimpse into how the world could be and should be in that they have got this this unconditional love and they very much live in the moment as well of course they're not like us they're not worrying about what happened yesterday or can I control what what's happening tomorrow and I think sometimes when I just see a dog playing on a beach catching a ball it, it's just in the moment isn't it it's really really enjoying itself and we have a lot to learn from them and we well we do we do but talking about being in the moment I mean I love doing yoga and I guess in terms of religion, I, I kind of would like to be a Buddhist as I really believe it. I'd love to believe that reincarnation could actually happen. Do you think religion is almost like meditation uh, to help us control our busy monkey chatter in our, in our heads? Well, I do. And I think, I mean, certainly Christianity, that is a theme that comes out that, you know, riches physical things are not important what what is important is is helping others and loving your neighbor as yourself and and seeking out to have justice and equality throughout society so i think you know whatever anybody's beliefs are you know even if you just look at christianity and you read through the parts of the Bible, those are fantastic messages that are coming through right right the way through. Yes, and things that we'd really forgotten about, I think, perhaps until yeah. lockdown, where kindness, you know, hashtag be kind, you know, came onto the radar um, again, you know, and being thoughtful. And obviously, this is the time of year, Jenny, you know, we're coming to the end of Advent now. Um, well, actually, we're coming to the beginning of Advent, should I say, and Christmas, which obviously is a Christian festival, I guess, but so many religions kind of do adopt it would you say Christmas even is global? Yes, I think Christmas, of course, is a very, very special time for Christians um, and for me and myself in my 
Vicar role. Mm. I certainly don't start to feel very Christmassy until Christmas Eve, <laughs> Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. So I try and stay out of all the mass consumerism that, that leads up to Christmas, because I think people have definitely forgotten what the real meaning of Christmas is or was. And most people certainly don't think of Advent as the four weeks leading up to Christmas and you know, preparing yourself, thinking about the, the birth of Christ to come. It, it's just mass, it's mass consumerism, isn't it? But I think everybody can enjoy the big festival in getting together with your families and being generous and being kind. I think that is a wonderful thing that everybody can experience. Um, but we also have to remember that Christmas, of course, can be very sad for a lot of people. A lot of people are on their own or maybe somebody has passed away and Christmas can be a very, very hard time. So there are these two things running in parallel. There's all this love and, and family get together, but at, at the same time, there are other people looking out at that and, and suffering and feeling that they're not sharing in that. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And and not least, I guess, the homeless community who see yes. so much comfort in their dogs. And it's such a shame that so many social housing won't um, accept dogs, you know. It's yeah. absolutely yeah. crazy, seems crazy to me, so crazy. But segueing back into dogs, you know, so would you do actual services on a regular basis for pets and their um, their parents? <laughs> we do have an animal blessing service on a yearly basis and that's the first Sunday in October so that coincides with the feast of St Francis of Assisi so St Francis is the patron saint of animals yes and that's a lovely lovely service where people come along with all sorts of pets mainly dogs actually you know a few cats a few more exotic species and um, they bring their pets up during the service and um, I, I do a blessing over them. And we also think throughout the service of creation, the creation of animals, um, our environment, and just the importance of all beings in creation. And it just helps embed in people's minds what, what an important part these pets play in our lives. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, they are sentient, they have emotional intelligence and, you know, they should be credited, I guess, with this, Jenny. Here's a big question. <laughs> do you think dogs go to heaven? I do. <laughs> People ask me that a lot because, um, you know, when, when their pets are ill or they've had to be put, put to sleep, people will ask me for for prayers, actually. I do have a pet prayer group um, online. So we do put together prayers for, uh, for sick pets and remember those who have lost their pets. Personally, I do believe they do because I think everything was created. When I read the Bible, you know, Jesus talks about, for example, birds, you know, your heavenly father notices the birds on the trees, the sparrows. Doesn't that mean 
that he acknowledges that everything is of importance in the world. I think we establish such special relationships with them and the universe is, is so diverse and the complicated biology of all these species as well absolutely intrigues me. So I don't think that it has all happened by chance, nor do I think that these faithful friends that, that are with us in this life will not be reunited with us in, in some way. You know, I mean, it's interesting. My episode one of um, A Dog's Life was with uh, Dr. Rupert Sheldrake, who very much believes in the divine and I guess the kind of higher consciousness. And, yeah, I remember I asked him the question, uh, I said, Rupert, do you believe in divine intervention? And the short answer to his long answer was that yes and that was the purpose of the divine would you agree with that that you know there is this energy call it electromagnetic fields call it radio frequencies that potentially you know because one minute someone's alive and the next minute they might be dead so I've always thought you know when Molly my first bull terrier died you know right beside me mm. in one minute she was there and the next minute she wasn't. And I just thought, where has her energy gone? Now, could it have gone somewhere where one day I might go as well? I think that that is, is highly possible. I don't believe that, that this life is the end. Um, and I think things happen to, to us as humans as well, to suggest that there is life after death. And you know, I've, I've heard from quite a lot of people that after somebody has died, you know, they, they've just seen something closely after that. Like maybe they've seen a robin come out of nowhere and, and sit beside them or, or a butterfly comes into the room and, and seems to hover. And I know you could laugh, you could say, oh, well, this is just a coincidence. But I, I've just heard of this so many times that I think there are signs out there that, you know, whoever you were with it is out there somewhere. Well, gosh, I mean, after death, I mean, I've heard some extraordinary, um, you know, anecdotal evidence, shall we say, um, including, you know, myself. Um, oh, there was a massive moment with the cat flap. Um, so Molly died in the summer. You know, it was hot. Mm. It was balmy. There was no wind. Um, and Gremlin, my cat, had this... Um, really naughty habit that I'd like to give him his little supplements before before bed on a teaspoon we call it doing our spoonie and he'd always bolt out of the cat flap and then I'd have to call him in and it was just a game okay so I was preparing his little spoonie probably two days after Molly you know passed and um you know struggling on with our routine and I heard the cat flap go clunk 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 and I turn around you know and I go oh gremlin <laughs> and then gremlin is by my feet there was that. There was another moment when I'm woken up in the middle of the night and I can hear this massive commotion going on downstairs. It sounded exactly like a bull terrier doing one of what they're known for, these things called bully runs, where they run up and down and charge and they jump onto the sofa and they jump on the floor, then they leap across the table onto the other chair and so on, okay? And I was like, crikey. 
crikey, what is going on? We're either being burgled or there's a badger that's got in or I can't even begin to imagine, could it be? And and I heard all this commotion, commotion, you know, and then I was thinking, was I sleepwalking, you know, but I got halfway down my stairs and it stopped. Oh, so, so you how know, do you that, explain that? Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, I know. And then, you know, I've heard so many other, you know, stories as well, you know, almost sightings and um, things um, that are, remain totally uncanny. But, you know, again, like episode one of uh, A Dog's Life, you know, that's what Rupert has, has done all his life, um, has proved that, um, you know, the supernatural is actually natural and the paranormal is actually normal. Yeah, I mean, what, what would you say to that, Jenny? I think sometimes we just have this window onto another world, really, don't we? Um, I mean, I remember when my father passed away, um, and it was during the, the COVID crisis, uh, so there were not very many people at his funeral. It was a very, very small affair. So I remember when we arrived at the crematorium, and suddenly this beautiful song just came out of nowhere and it was a bird singing and I looked up and there was a robin and it was singing outside on the roof and I just felt that's a really really special moment because my dad of course was a musician and um, how funny is that 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 just happened at the precise time that, that we arrived there. And butterflies, of course, as well as birds are said to be real signs of people coming back. Are they not, Jenny? That's right. That's right. But I think, you know, we have to be observant and, and look for these things. They, we live such busy lives at the moment. It, it's, you know, sometimes you don't spot these little moments, do you? No, no, I know, I know, I know. But every time I see a Red Admiral, yeah, it just um, sends shivers up my, my spine, really. And and there was the whole incident of the huge black moth that mm-hmm. was hovering like a hovercraft above our bed. And I knew Molly was going to pass that night, but I didn't want to believe it. But And this blinking great big moth, I mean, you've got no idea, it was about the size yeah. of my hand. It was oh. Well, not quite that big, but it was massive. It was substantial. It was just hovering. And I thought, oh, it'll be all right. Gremlin will get it tomorrow morning. (laughs) And anyway, later on that night, I had the windows wide open because it was very hot. And the moth was kind of circling round, circling round. And then I saw it just fly out of the window. And I just went, Molly, come back. And I felt that the moth had yeah, taken yeah, her yeah. soul. Oh, gosh, it's all getting quite heavy. But, but yes, but I know a lot of everyone, you know, goes through the loss of their pet, be it a dog yeah. or a cat. And it is one of the most devastating losses, which I think everyone listening to a dog's life will totally agree and understand. But some people might think it's kind of wrong to even admit that the loss of your dog affected you more than the loss of your mother. But I mean, I do have to say that that is the the truth for me anyway. Yes. And I, I think we spend so much time with them, don't we? And, and they're, they're like small children, really. And it's our nature to want to 
nurture and look after these these creatures or or little people. So I I think we do get very very close to them. Mm-hmm. I think Philip Pullman gets it so right, you know, in his um, Northern oh, yeah. Lights, yeah, where he actually says there are demons, but in yeah. that really ancient word that means soul, and yes. that without them, you know, you feel lost, you feel like a shell, you know, you go around almost like not feeling complete, which uh, certainly I can totally, you know, relate to. And it's a dreadful, dreadful sadness that, I personally believe the only way is, you know, like to get back on the horse. You know, when you fall off Mm. a horse, the only way is to get back on. And um, in a way, the only way is to bring another dog into your life. The old hair of the dog cures, my dad would, would say, you know. But Jenny, yeah, I mean, do you think things like Stonehenge indicates that there could also be an afterlife, you know, because this has been going on for a long time, hasn't it? The Bible's a very, very old, old book. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and um, I suppose in another way, the New Testament is not that old as well. You know, it's just over 2,000 years old, which which makes its, its credibility much higher as well. But um, I always remember when we went to France and we saw these cave paintings. Now, where was it? It was in southern France, the Lascaux Caves. And there were images that had been drawn by people. And this was like 360,000 years ago. It was, it was just unbelievable. There were people like you and me, and they had taken tools and they had drawn animals and sun. And there were images of afterlife and worshipping the sun so I think almost since man has a consciousness he has had this feeling that there is something else that there is an afterlife and he has been looking for that it's it's inherent it's inherent within our nature within our consciousness yeah yeah do you think there are angels that are sent so I've had two experiences in my life one I was actually with um I was with people both times when a strange bloke both times it was a bloke suddenly kind of appeared no one had ever seen them around before and they appeared really to know me Mm. and it it was just extremely odd and neither time afterwards did that person ever appear again once was when I was in Buckinghamshire in the florists actually buying some sweet williams for molly's grave and the florist just didn't know who this person was and he was a bit chubby you know he was a bit angely <laughs> and he did things about me that was strange knowing and i'd never seen him before in my life Similarly, it happened in Hackney once as well. And I was with uh, an old colleague, actually, a very famous rock and roll um, journalist with his head definitely screwed on the right way, if you know what I mean. (laughs) And this person sort of sat near to us in a restaurant and engaged in conversation. And he left. And, you know, my colleague said, Anna, that was spooky. And it was really odd. And it just also made me wonder, that's all. You know, I suppose... No one really knows, do they, Jenny? No, no. But sometimes things things just happen, don't they? You just happen to bump into a person 
at the right time or or maybe you're thinking something and and someone gives you the answer somebody just pops up out of, out of nowhere and yeah it's almost as if it was it was meant to be really yes yes gosh well i mean this christmas then what would your messages be for pet parents in terms of making sure their dogs don't end up having a veterinary emergency <laughs> on christmas day well that's right that is very difficult and people frequently say to me should we have a real tree or an artificial tree with our pets? That's mm -hmm. a really, really big question. And to be honest, I would say it's better to have an artificial tree. And it's probably more environmentally friendly anyway than buying a real tree every year. But the thing about real Christmas trees is that those pine needles can be not necessarily very toxic unless they chew lots and lots of them, mm. but um, they can be very irritant to pets stomachs you know and they can sometimes penetrate the wall the stomach or the intestine so they're actually not very good for pets to be around um and also they can lick around in the in the tree water as well so it, it's not just chewing on the tree itself so i would say if at all possible i would recommend artificial trees keep foodstuffs wrapped and away especially sweet things especially chocolate I'm sure most of the listeners are aware chocolate can be very, very toxic to pets. You know, very toxic, absolutely. Yeah. And raisins, right? Absolutely. And you know, they they just don't think. They will just start gobbling these, and you can end up with a very, very serious situation. Um, throw away any of the chicken bones, turkey bones as well, throw them away carefully. I know some people at Christmas, they tend to think, oh, that would be a nice treat. I'll just give this little bone to uh, to my dog. But those little bones are not at all suitable because, again, they can get stuck in your, in your pet's esophagus and throat and cause perforations. So be very, very careful about disposing of your um, turkey or chicken carcasses and it's things like sellotape isn't it as well I think and wrapping paper and tinsel yes. you know yes. it's all well I mean we can't even have a Christmas tree I mean it's just unthinkable okay you no. can't we're not with the bull terrier Christmas trees no they don't go with bull terriers really and, and a large eight kilo cat no no <laughs> no so, I've got to say I will not be having even an artificial Christmas tree this Christmas because um, we have we have quite a young cat, a nine month old Berman who who jumps on everything and chews everything. So the artificial tree would be destroyed anyway. Yes, yes. Well, gosh, well, let's hope we all carry on being kind and, you know, reflective a bit in this Christmas, you know, run in and make it a good one for everyone, but especially our pets. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Jenny, for joining us. And thank you, you know, for being the first Reverend Vet I've ever <laughs> met. <laughs> thank you. It's been a pleasure. That's our show, Mr. Binks. What did you think? Yes, it is good to know that Santa Paws will be coming to town. What's that? Yes, it is time for Woof of the Week. Christmas is a time for reflection, and it is a time when you miss those that aren't around anymore. That's why it's such a comfort to know that 
Perhaps dogs really do go to heaven. Thank you for listening. Hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, please rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks also to Dr. Jenny Mackay, and all the links to her are in the show notes. Thanks also to my producer, Mike Hansen, for all the music and production as ever. Find out more about him at Pod People UK. And for me, I'm at Anna Webb Dogs. Or check out my website, annaweb.co.uk. What's that, Mr. Binks? Yes, we will be back in your feed next Sunday. So why don't you subscribe now? It's free, so you'll never miss another show. Bye for now.